It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Listen to me, I'm older and I'm wise. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Taking you home on a Monday edition of the Sports Rush. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. Hey, for those of you who can't see us but are listening right now, Adam Lundy with a really sharp new haircut. Rather oh. professional look there. Thank you, Brett. With the, uh, what do they call that? The I think... I just I would just call it a crew cut, honestly. Uh, but well, no, it's a it's a, a it's a fade? comb over. It's got the short fade on the side and the uh, then the longer hair on the top that you can give that comb over. You've got a good look going on. Thank you. And uh, and so here we go with a fresh look. It is a sports rush. I am Brett Rump with Adam Lundy, and coming up on the show today, we're packed. We got Scott Agnes. He'll join us to talk Pacers basketball, one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now, the Indiana Pacers. Huh, go figure that. And then uh, Don Fisher, our 15 Minutes with Fish, presented by Cruzy Automotive Service. He'll be along at 520. A couple of Indiana losses to talk about. Uh, but before we go there, let's go ahead and go here. The Indianapolis Colts ended their season yesterday, and uh, oh, it didn't get any better. The Colts find yet another way to get an embarrassing loss, this time at home, to the team that previously was holding the number one pick in the draft, the Houston Texans, a two-point conversion, wins it for the Texans, 32-31. to 31. I don't even know what to say. Yeah. I mean, this is a team you cannot lose to. The Colts did lose. And uh, then that means now that the Colts ended the season. Well, I mean, I don't even know what the record was. I gave up 4-12 and 12 with one tie. Yeet. I mean, Ugh. yeah, and what did they, uh, they lose seven or eight, seven straight, eight straight? Uh, you know, Frank Reich looks like a genius right now that <laughs> he was able to take this team to, what, a three and four record, three, four and one, I think, before he got uh, terminated. But Jeff Saturday, clearly not the answer in Indianapolis, but uh, an embarrassing loss. Davis Mills throws for about 300 yards. Um Colts, Sam Ellinger wasn't bad. I mean, I didn't think there was anything bad about Ellinger. A couple of interceptions. You kind of expect that because, once again, it's a guy that hasn't had regular reps. He's going to make some mistakes. It's going to happen. Um, you know, a young, inexperienced quarterback is going to make some mistakes. But what you've got to look for is what's the ceiling and how good can he be. I don't know that he showed us he deserves to be the starting quarterback next year, but he might deserve to be the backup. 
23 of 35, 209 yards, a couple of touchdowns, yes, a couple of picks, only sacked twice. Um, on the ground, Zach Moss was effective, averaged 6.3 yards per carry, 114 yards. Colts rushed for almost 200 yards as a team and had almost 400 yards of total offense. Still could not get the win because they couldn't close the deal on Houston who faced two long fourth downs on the final drive, and both times the Colts could not come up with a stop. I was going to say, yeah, if you give an NFL team uh, fourth and 12 and then fourth and 20, and they can't stop that offense from uh, continuing to, to go down the field, uh, you have a problem. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it is a problem. And, you know, the, the corners have to be very conscientious of anything behind them that would be first down yardage. And instead... The Colts' corner allows on that 4th and 12, they allow the receiver to get behind them 15 to 20 yards downfield. Easy pitch and catch. He had five yards, six yards of space to throw into. And yeah. the corner was worried about a guy that was within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Okay, it's 4th down and 12. What do you think they're going to do? No, you're down in distance. Get back. Keep everything in front of you. Let him catch it at 10 yards. Don't give him a catch at 15. And instead, the outside corner played short. The safety couldn't get over. And a little out route, easy first down. That kept the drive alive, the final drive alive. And then they get that fourth down and 20 from the 28-yard line. Yep. Where they just throw a prayer, basically a Hail Mary type pass, lobbing it up into the end zone, hoping that somebody comes down with it. And I don't know what Rodney Thomas was doing. He was right there, and then he took a step up, jumped, and the ball went right through his hands. At that moment, I thought, Rodney Thomas, what's the bonus for tanking effectively? Because, <laughs> you know, we've we've joked about this. Yeah. That, you know, the fumble at the one-yard line when they were going in for a touchdown and Jonathan Taylor fumbled, I thought, we're watching the Colts right before our eyes tank this season away. And that play... When Rodney Thomas has the guy covered and he steps up and then whiffs on that pat ball over his head, yeah, it's almost like, did you do that on purpose? What is going on here? It's terrible. The Colts lose it 32-31, and then the two-point conversion, nobody covers the receiver. He just goes into the end zone wide open. Easy peasy. And, uh, and then even coaching decisions weren't good. No. I mean, it, you get uh, what was... It was fourth and goal from the six, third quarter, and uh, a penalty on Houston gave the Colts half the distance. They moved it to the three. To me, it still makes no difference. You're down at that point 10 points, right? So you're down two scores. Mm -hmm. If you kick a field goal, you're down one score. You cannot take the risk of leaving that possession without points. You've got to make it a one-score game. And whether that means getting a touchdown and needing a field goal later or taking the chip shot field goal, to me, fourth and three is not close enough that you risk, especially when that's the play you come up with. A quick out route to a wide receiver with very limited space on that far sideline. I mean, it's a difficult pass to execute, and it's not a quarterback and receiver that have had hundreds of reps through the season on that play. Yeah. And so... Why the Colts decided, and you could tell Jeff Saturday was completely perplexed over whether to go for it or whether to kick the field goal. It seemed like he went back and forth, back and forth, finally called a timeout. 
Then it looked like they're going to kick the field goal. Then it looked like they're going to go for it. And eventually they did go for it and didn't get the points. And boy, would those three points have turned out to be big in this ball game. Yeah, absolutely. And we're already getting texts about this game on our Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Someone weighing in. It's simple. The Colts didn't want to win, and they shouldn't have wanted to win. This losing streak is the absolute best thing that could have happened for the organization, and this comes from Keegan. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, once you started losing, yeah, losing a lot made sense because it was clear that this was not going to be the year for the Colts. You know, I I would say up until, what, week 12, week 11, week 12, um, because the division was doing so poorly. Yeah. And at that point, Jacksonville hadn't gone on their run. They were just kind of starting on their run. Tennessee, though, was clearly declining. At that point, you felt like if the Colts could put it together and find the right mix, maybe they could still have a shot to claim the AFC South Championship just getting to 500. Uh, eight, eight, and one might have won the, the AFC South. But, but then as they lost a couple of more games and then lost to uh, Dallas, when they gave up 33 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, yeah. Then they, get, then they lost to Minnesota, blowing a 33 to nothing halftime lead. Sure, losing can be the best possible outcome at this point in the season, but it's still embarrassing. It I is mean, embarrassing. I, I mean, mean, especially yesterday. I mean, I, I mean, sure, the tanking or whatever. I mean, sure, it's nice that you lost, but it, it was probably the most embarrassing. I mean, it's up there with the 35-point half or whatever. They I competed. Mean, I mean, you know, the Colts beat the Raiders on the road, Jeff Saturday's first game. Right. And then they came back, and they almost beat the Philadelphia Eagles. That's a good football team, and the Colts lost 17-16, a good battle with a uh, the top seed in the NFC. Um. And then the Steelers-Colts, that was kind of a 50-50 game that the Steelers won, 24-17. to But then after playing about even with the Cowboys for three quarters, it was a 21-19 game. And it was only 21-19 to because the Colts had failed on a two-point try. The Colts ended up being outscored 33 to nothing in that fourth quarter. And, and even though it looked like they turned it around in the first half against the Vikings, they were still bad enough to give it right back in the second half against the Vikings, losing in overtime 39-36 after blowing that 33 to nothing halftime lead. Right. And then they just didn't show for the next three game, well, two games. Mm-hmm. The Chargers beat them 20 to 3. There was nothing there for the Colts uh with Nick Foles taking over a quarterback, the Giants 38 to 10 over the Colts on the road. And then ending the season with a loss to the Texans, who came into that game with just two wins on the season. Um, in fact, uh, I'm trying to remember, did the Texans beat, yeah, they beat the Titans. And uh, who else did the Texans beat this year? Prior? I got you, just a second. Uh, the Jaguars. Oh, there you go. They beat the Jaguars back in early October. So they tied with the Colts. and Oh, and by the way. Their only wins are against the AFC South, just pointing that out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. They beat the three teams in the AFC South. Um, by the way, what did I say this game was going to be? A tie. Yeah, you were close. We, All week long, I said this game is going to end in a tie because. Neither, what would be more Colts? What would be more Colts? What would be more Texans? They're, neither one is good enough to win. Um, and so. I said all week long this was going to be a tie. And if it wasn't for the fact that this was the final game of the regular season, I think we would have seen a tie. I mean, yeah. Houston figured they had nothing to lose by going for two, right? I guess. 
Well, okay, so they get it, they get a win, right? Right, but it hurts. If they don't get it, they got the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. So either way, Houston comes out of that play just fine. Exactly. Might as well go for it. You got nothing to lose. You either win a football game or you get the number one pick in the draft. I'd rather have the number one pick. Um, You know, Houston's had so many good picks. I mean, you know, number two, number one. Yeah, but now Um, it's looking like the, uh, the Bears. It's the Bears. With the number one. And so now Houston's going to have that choice on what they do with number two, on whether or not they go for a quarterback or whether they stick with Davis Mills. You got it. Lot of, yeah, I was going to say. Who they've been kind of high on, but I don't I don't know if you can avoid picking a quarterback at number two. Now, the question is, would Houston be enticed to trade out of number two? Obviously, it wasn't important enough for them to be number <laughs> one that they decided to kick the extra point and try play for a tie in overtime. If they tied, would they have still had the number one pick? I, I believe so. I, I'm not going to say yes, but I believe that they would have had the number one. Uh, let's let's see. So they ended up with three because the third win get, was matched the, the Bears' three wins. So if they would have tied, they've only had two wins and two ties. And so I, I'm pretty sure a tie would have still given Houston the number one pick in the draft. And, uh, yeah, so they – they didn't consider that number one pick so important that they wouldn't play for two unless that was a mistake as far as Lovey, because, of course, Lovey got fired like an hour after the game. But um, but that maybe they would be willing at number two to slide to five. The only problem is, do they want to make a divisional switch? A lot of times it's hard to make that move with a divisional opponent because you know that divisional opponent, in this case the Colts, be going up to number two to snag a quarterback, and that is a quarterback you're going to have to face twice a year every year after. So probably unlikely that Houston would trade with the Colts, but you wonder would Houston be open to a trade for somebody that clearly is seeking a quarterback. Yeah, I'm doing the, I just was doing the tie research. So basically, if Houston had tied and Chicago lost, they both would have effectively been 3 and 14. The Texans would officially be 2, 13 and 2, but because ties count as half a win and half a loss, they would have a 0.176 win percentage, just like the Bears, but the Texans would have held on to it because of the strength of schedule. So the Texans would have held on to the number one pick. Yes, if they had tied. Okay. Uh, and the Bears lost. So, and the Bears lost. So, yeah, so that part was taken care of. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. Embarrassing, embarrassing day. And, uh, well, speaking of embarrassing, <laughs> didn't start out all that well either. Indiana loses to Northwestern. Yeah. We'll talk college basketball when we come back from the break. We've, we've got to take a timeout. We're going to come back. Give us your thoughts. Colts football, college basketball, 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Let us know what's on your mind on this Monday. Boys, enjoy your input on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862, and it is hopping this Monday afternoon. Yeah. A lot to say about the Indianapolis Colts and where they're finished, and uh, now they are number four in the pecking order for the NFL draft coming up late April. Uh, It's Kansas City this year, is that right? Where the draft is? Uh, I think this year the draft is being held in Kansas City. 
Um, but uh, the Colts are at number four. Yep. Houston drops to number two. Congratulations, Chicago Bears fans. You are holding the golden ticket. You've got the number one pick in the NFL draft. But, you know, the Bears, what what did the Bears do? Um, a lot of them want to trade down. That's what I think they should do. Yeah. They need they need help. First of all, they need help in the offensive line. You can get offensive linemen, uh, you know, number seven, eight. Uh, you can probably get the best offensive linemen in the draft if you're around five or six. And that's usually a tackle. Uh, but because uh, usually your top picks are going to be your quarterbacks, your edge rushers, mm-hmm. and maybe a cover corner, possibly a wide receiver if he's a super stud. And then you might see a left tackle in that mix. But you almost know the positions that are going to be picked in the top ten. And uh, then that next 10 to 20 group, you'll start to see a safety, perhaps, maybe a linebacker or two, a defensive lineman. Yeah. Um, second or third quarterback, third quarterback, fourth quarterback, depending on how deep the quarterback draft is. Uh, this year, I think we're going to see three at least go in the top 10. Three. Yeah. Don't you think? I, I think so. Levis, yeah. Stroud. Yeah, and, those three, uh, those three are good enough. Then I, I think there's enough teams that need a quarterback. Do you want to respond to some of these texts we're getting? Yeah, let's go stuff? ahead. I mean, we'll go ahead and keep it buzzing. I, yeah, I was going to talk some college basketball, but let's go we'll, ahead while we'll, the texts we'll, are coming in. We'll try to respond to them. Yeah, so someone uh, weighing in. Colts need to completely start over. Head coach, quarterback, better O-line, Michael Mayer, Isaiah Foskey, free agent market. That's not bad thinking. You like that? Yeah. That's it. Well, give him a little, uh... Michael, yeah, give him that, give him that little <laughs> Bronx cheer. Michael Mayer, I think, would be fantastic. Now, you're getting a uh, Kylan Granson, but maybe a little bit better um, because you're getting Mayer, probably not the blocker that a Mo Alley Cox is, but it's a position where Mayer uh, is Mayer a Kelsey? Is he a Kittle? Uh, Is he going to be that skilled? When you're matched up against NFL safeties, I, but I, I love Merritt Foskey gives you that threat of a pass rush. Uh, I mean, I get exactly why those two guys could be valuable. I don't know where they're going to be projected to go in the draft. They're not going to be, I'll tell you this, they're not going to be top three or four. So, mm-hmm. um, because you're not going to take a tight end and a top four pick. Got another one here said, Ursay will muck it up in the draft. Any quarterback in Indy will have hardly any weapons, let alone solid protection. I hear Rodgers may be done in Green Bay. No. Wouldn't be surprised no, don't go there. to see Ursay no. draft an O-lineman, no. then no. try to land Rodgers no. and bring him to the quarterback retirement don't community. Don't go there. You have got to be kidding me. They there went, is. They went there. No, do not go there. Did they say muck, or did you just change the first consonant? They said muck. Okay. Just, I just got another I just one. Was one. Someone said, Colts do not need another tight end. No, they, I mean, they have they have depth at tight end, but do they have the tight end? I mean, if you, and like I said, it depends where Mayor. I mean, if what the Colts are going to do as far as, you know, where they're going to have their picks, I don't think they trade down. I think if they do anything at this point, they would trade up to try to secure the quarterback that they want. Now, the question is, which quarterback would you want? Yeah. I'd, I, it's tough. It, let's Okay, let, let me put it this way. Yeah. If if Levis, well, I believe it's pronounced Levis. Yes. I, I mispronounced it as Levis last week, and eh. so I'll apologize. But uh, Will Levis, the quarterback from Kentucky, he 
he may be easily available at four. Yeah. Might even be available if you trade down two or three spots. I don't know how aggressive teams are going to be in going up there to go get quarterbacks. But if the Colts could trade a spot or two down, still get <clears throat> Levis and and pick up an extra first-round pick, that's where you start to think, okay, now we've got our quarterback. What pieces do we need to grow with him in the future? And uh, and that's my only thing mm-hmm. is if you get a, a mayor, you'd move on from Granson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, is Granson so golden that you can't move on from him to make room for Mayer? If you project Mayer to be a better better tight end, and I would, I think overall skill set, Mayer would be a better blocker, although I don't know if he's a great blocker in the NFL. He did quite a bit of blocking in the run game for yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah. But um, but I would if I had a choice between Granson or Mayer, there's no question I would take Mayor. But you're not feeling the Aaron Rodgers potential. Oh, get out with Rodgers. <laughs> a couple more texts that just came across. Someone uh, just weighed in. They threw in their vote for C.J. Stroud, who they'd like to see on the Colts. I like Stroud's size better than uh, Young. And then someone else just weighed in. Uh, trade Nelson for Brock Purdy. Um, well, there was thoughts. Here, here's an idea for you. And I should ask Bears fans what they think about this. Quentin Nelson... Plus a fifth or sixth rounder, plus the Colts' first round pick for the Bears' first round pick. Would you take it, Bears fans? Would you take because the Bears' offensive line needs help? Mm-hmm. Would you take if you're a Bear, if you're the Chicago Bears executive, and I, the name is I'm blanking on right now. I remember Ryan Pace, but he's gone. Good move by the the Bears to move on from him. But if the Colts offered. Quentin Nelson, the number four pick, and a late round pick, a fifth or a sixth rounder. The Chicago Bears, would they give up the number one spot? Because quite honestly, the Bears, if they if they take that number one pick, they're not taking the number one player in the draft. They would be taking the third or fourth player in the draft mm-hmm. they would let's but i guess i should word it this way if the bears were in the third or fourth slot they would still get the guy that they probably would take if they end up being in the number one spot and so you get help immediately in the offensive line you get a top five pick at number four and you get an extra draft pick i don't know sounds pretty good to me that's my offer is there a Bears fan that wants to take me up on it? 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Another Colts fan weighing in says, doesn't matter who the tight ends are or the wide receivers or anybody else if the offensive line is going to continue to be this bad. Well, that's got to be addressed. Yes. That has been a problem. Now, I will say this. Ryman got better. But here's my, you know, here's one of my, my big questions. And, a lot of the coaching staff, it was like, it, you don't know where the disconnect was, but what do the Colts do as far as offensive line coach? Are you satisfied with the performance of the offensive line? Did you get the maximum amount of play out of their potential? Because to me, that group had so much more talent than what they actually performed, 
And that has to be on the coach. And the coach has to have accountability. And you have to move on from the coach if he's not getting the best out of his position group, right? I mean, that's the way I feel. And it might be a harsh way to look at it, especially if you're a coach, to say, well, you're accountable for the players. But I've been in sales. And I've been a sales manager. And guess what happens when you're a sales manager? You're not the doer. But everybody below you that is doing better be doing their job and hitting their budgets and hitting their quotas, or you might not be a sales manager for very long. And you accept that. You understand that's your responsibility. That You're accountable for that. And it's the same thing in coaching is you're in charge of a position group and there's certain expectations. Now, in sales, it's a quota. In, in sports, it's a certain level of performance. The Colts individually are more talented than the group performed this year. And that's got to be on the coach. Someone asked, if you make that trade with the Bears, who do you draft number one? <laughs> Come on, man. I got to find somebody to give me the trade. <laughs> um, I, at this point, and I, you know, I'm, I will do a lot more breakdown of these players and look at film and go and study them online. I've been watching games. Games alone are three and a half, four hours of time, <laughs> right? So I got a pretty good idea that between Stroud and Young, I'm a Stroud guy. Mm-hmm. If it's those two guys. Mm-hmm. Levis, I have not seen enough of. Got to check him out. To put him into the mix. I don't know that Levis is a number one pick. If you're the Colts, I don't know that you make the move to go up to number one if Levis is going to be your guy, because I think you gamble at number four that Levis is still there. And if Levis isn't there, that means probably Stroud or Young is going to be there at number four, because I don't think there's going to be three quarterbacks taken above you. Before we go to break, I got one more text for you. Uh, They said, if you don't like Rodgers, there's always Derek Carr or Baker Mayfield. (laughs) You know, they they joke about that. I've always been a Derek Carr guy. I'm sorry. And I... It's expensive, and he's getting old. I it would be another one. How old is Carr? I think he's 33, 30, 33 34. Is let he me, 34? Let me check for you. 33 I might be okay with. He's 31. Oh, see, he's not that old. Yeah, football he's, years. He's got, and, okay, know. he's got what, five or six years of prime football. But would he have prime football with the Colts? I... I've I've always felt that Derek Carr is a not necessarily borderline top ten quarterback, safely top fifteen, maybe top ten, on the verge of top ten, and a lot of it depends on coaching and and his surroundings and all of that. Um, I but but I will say this: the history of the Colts in bringing in these veterans has also worn thin, and it's time I think that the Colts fan base would not be happy bringing in somebody like a Derek Carr, a middle-aged, perhaps over the, the peak of performance type guy, I, they're, they're not, even though he's only 31. I think if you bring in a young quarterback, now I, and, you know, Garoppolo's not the guy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, because I don't know what San Francisco's going to do. But... And I don't think there's a Brock Purdy in this draft. Can you believe he was the last player selected in the mm. draft? Yeah. He's basically Chandler Harnish. Here, someone asked uh, over the text line, they said, uh, Derek Carr, one of those three rookies. 
I would, honestly, at this point, I would probably take a rookie. There you go. And the difference is the payroll Mm -hmm. flexibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you can build off a rookie quarterback who's ready to play, you've got four or five great years of being able to distribute salary cap in other key positions. Derek Carr will suck up a big chunk of your salary cap, and you won't be able to build then with other veterans around him. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. we got to take a break because coming up on the other side, we've got Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files. Pacers, one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now, and they came from behind and did it again yesterday. We'll talk about it with Scott Agnes next, right here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. The great Don Fisher joins us in hour number two. It's our 15 minutes with Fish, presented by Cruzy Automotive Service. And right now on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline, it's our pleasure to welcome back to the program from the Fieldhouse Files. Make sure you've got your subscription, especially if you're a Pacers fan. It is much must-read material. And Scott Agnes is joining us. Good afternoon, Scott. Good afternoon. I appreciate it, Brett. Thanks. Yes, uh, certainly. I mean, I enjoy uh, getting a chance to catch up with everything, especially like your uh, your kind of running instant thoughts throughout the game, just as far as what's happening at what situation and how you're feeling about it as the game progresses. Because we had a lot of ups and downs in yesterday's game. Uh, I kept thinking, okay, they're playing down to their competition. But when push came to shove, end of the game, Pacers dug deep and who was it? Miles Turner, kind of the hero this time around. Yeah, you're right. A lot of ebbs and flows in the game yesterday afternoon, which which was fun, by the way. A matinee at the field house. The curtains were pulled back. But to your point, yeah, I mean, they trailed most of the game. They were outshot at the free throw line. They finished quarters poorly, but they finished the one that mattered best. And, and Miles was one constant throughout the game. He should have nearly had a double-double, just needed one more rebound. But it was that block that was so spectacular Mm -hmm. that even Roy Hibbert was posting about it on Twitter (laughs) that he loves to see it. He doesn't post very often. But, uh, you know, if anything, the story, part of the story, the first half of the season, how about the just the play and the energy level and the amount of joy shown by among a lot of the players, but especially Miles, like his celebration, Brett, like mm-hmm. that fist pump multiple times, like that said a lot to me more than just that singular play. Yeah, he. Uh, it seems to me that he not only is having a great time, um, but he is proud to be contributing to these guys around him. It's almost like they, they have formed a bond where they're doing it for each other because it seems like every night a different guy steps up and they don't care which guy it is. Yeah, that last point's the best right there. It could be anyone on any night. Halliburton's been you know one constant throughout the year, another double-double last night. He's not even touted as you know a top player contributor in last night's game that he's not even a made available postgame to talk. Like That just <laughs> tells you it was the rookie in Nimhard. And Miles Turner, like, that shows you where they're at with this team. We've had Buddy Heal just been consistent from three so often. You can go on and down the list, and almost every player on the roster is exceeded expectations and playing very well. You know, it's funny because there was a moment in the game, I think Miles missed either one or two free throws, and I think he threw up a three-point prayer that missed, and I thought, great. Uh, the Pacers are, are going to turn this over to Miles Turner and uh, 
and trust him to actually win the game. And then he came up with a couple of big buckets, one at the end of the shot clock, and uh, he really was yesterday's hero. When you know, when you look at at this team, it it has come together so quickly. And we've talked about this. What position or how difficult is this position now? For Kevin Pritchard, I'm sure he'll gladly accept it that this team is winning when it wasn't expected to win this soon. But he's on a long-term rebuild plan, and all of a sudden things have kind of been sped up to where, you know, the winning starts now. How does it change his approach to roster assembly uh, with the success this team is having? Yeah, that's. The, the big thing that the front office has to be pondering over this next month leading up to the trade deadline. And I think because they are in a different spot on the court in a positive way, for the most part, I guess you should think of, although many were kind of looking forward to having maybe one more elite draft pick and then go from there. That was kind of the plan or expectation. Thank for Wembayama. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so many teams that maybe were in that conference. I mean, look, like Orlando or Thunder have like 18 wins. Like, there's there's a lot of teams with a surprising number of wins. There's also some teams like the Raptors where we're all sitting back and waiting. Are they going to tweak their roster? What did their poor start mean to them at the trade deadline now? But to your question about what it impacts the Pacers, I think more than anything is it's going to cause the front office to more sit back on their hands, do much less here at the trade deadline, not feel obligated or, or forced to do something. Um, Miles Turner is the one thing we, uh, of course, like we've talked about at length, still needs some clarity on. But outside of that, you're kind of working on the edges. You're, you're maybe getting in a deal because it makes, makes sense, maybe financial sense. The Pacers have the most cap space in the league right now. Um, but I don't think you'll see, you know, seven guys traded or, you know, three starters traded, anything like that because, Right now, it's, it's nothing tangible, but there's something special here. The connectivity, the joy. Miles talked a couple weeks ago about play, having the most fun he's had since he can remember. And last night mentioned the difference between this year and last year, trust. And he repeated it several times. He said there's no egos in the locker room. Well, he's been with the team since 2015, so he's been on a variety of teams with a number of different personalities, good and bad, so I, I really respect and value what he's seen over the years. And so if I'm Kevin Pritchard, that front office, I'm not in a hurry to rush or make a rash decision here that's going to impact me in the short term or long term. Is there any chance Miles Turner takes a short deal just to push off the uh, the future of, of what the Pacers are going to do with him? Like, like is, there, no. is there any chance of a short-term one- or two-year discussion? No, you, you just don't do that um, in this situation. You go get your money and figure it out, everything else out. And I, I would also specify, especially as a big man, especially as a big man who hadn't finished the last two years due to injury, yeah. you're, you're not – the gamble's this season, Brett. It's, you're not doing a, you know, a two-plus-one or a one-and-one-plus-one. Yeah. You're not LeBron where you could go anywhere and get a max deal or KD coming off a Achilles injury and any team that can – pay for you, afford you with their salary cap, would do it. Miles does not have that kind of leverage. So he, he needs to capitalize right now when he's playing as good as he's played that I've seen. Knicks are up next coming up on Wednesday, a couple of days to kind of rest up the bodies a little bit. Uh, health-wise, 
what uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody specifically that we need to know about with Pacers. Yeah, a couple. Last night, T.J. McConnell uh, got banged into his screen set by Mason Plumley. immediately clutched his right shoulder and knelt over. He actually grabbed the rebound with his left hand and kind of shoveled it forward, but he did not finish the game, went back to the locker room and was going to be evaluated by, by doctors here today, so we should know more about him tomorrow. Daniel Tice is progressing in his rehab. We still haven't seen him even since the preseason. Uh, he had a minor knee injury that required uh, surgery, and uh, he's doing more on the court, but mostly it's just running and shooting type things, so he's several weeks away at least. And then Kendall Brown, the rookie, uh, dealing with a stress reaction uh, he was actually on the court yesterday for about 10 minutes. I saw him pregame early, just running. So he's still at the very early stages, it appears, and probably won't play the rest of this month would be my guess. When you look at the Knicks, it's kind of an interesting matchup for the Pacers because it's probably the one position that can be a bit of a challenge to them in matching up with Julius Randle at uh, what you would call a four position. Nebhard has been kind of a defensive stopper. How do the Pacers match up against the Knicks? Yeah, so for one, I do want to highlight Nemhard. I mean, he came in here and has played a different role than I think most of us expected. Not at point guard, not at the third-string point guard. No, he's in the starting lineup, and he's taking on the top defensive matchup every single game. And you talked to him a couple of days at practice uh, a couple of days ago, and he was, he was talking about how he likes that challenge, how uh, you know that was a knock on him in the draft, so he, he likes how he's being able to prove others wrong. And I also asked him about his size, right? Like, he, he's not that huge, both in terms of weight or in, in size. But he, he said he's a little stronger than most people think, and he's just been able to hang in there. But I think that's one position the Pacers need to upgrade is get that elite wing defender if, if they could, or maybe that's something you get in the draft. But, yeah, with Julius Randle, it's difficult because you, you, you know it's a physical matchup. You know he's going to get a, mm-hmm. a double-double probably on you. And usually the Knicks... How they guard allow for Miles Turner to be left open along the perimeter as they stack back on him. But they'll throw a number of guys at him, including Turner. And if you can minimize him, you know, I, I think this is a game that will be very physical, but the Pacers should have the upper hand. Appreciate you as always, Scott, and uh, look forward to talking to you again down the road. Okay. Thank you, Brett. Yep. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files. That's what you get as a subscription if you're. If you're a Pacers fan, that's must-read material. It's truly inside reporting with Scott Agnes. Generally, you know, the the insiders are always the guys that ask the first questions at the press conferences. And I will tell you that at least 50% of the time, Scott Agnes is the first one who asks questions when they have player availability, when they have uh, Rick Carlisle after games. And uh, that's why he's one of our go-to guys for the Indiana Pacers. We'll take a timeout. Once again, don't forget you've got... uh, uh, you got a chance to weigh in on your thoughts on the Indianapolis Colts situation. Who should stay? Who should go? Who should be the quarterback of the future? Should the Colts trade the pick? I mean, there's all types of positions people are taking on our text line. Yeah, Bears fans, do you want to trade the number one pick down if you're a Bears fan out there? I made a proposal. If yes, you're sir. a Bears fan, uh, the deal is on the table. All you've got to do is take me up on it on the text line. <laughs> uh, I'm offering the number four pick with Quentin Nelson. And maybe a fifth or sixth rounder just to toss it in. Doesn't sound like too bad a deal, right? And I want the number one pick in the draft. I don't want anyone else dictating who I end up with. And I'll trade it to you for the Bears. Would you take it? Someone actually did say no to the Bears trade 
Colts need to trade with Houston. They're number one pick this year. That's the problem. For Houston, number one pick next year. Another round pick for next year and Brandon Cooks. Then next year they get the quarterback from USC. That's that's fine and dandy, but they're two divisional opponents. Yes. Do you want to give the Colts the quarterback of the future that you will have to play twice every year? Who's who might be better than Davis Mills? Yeah. I, I don't think Houston would do that with the Colts. That's the problem with trading with Houston. Four six eight six two is Parfu Sports Medicine Text Line. Four six eight six two. 